the book of Joel. Turn with me to the book of Joel, if you would, please, the book of Joel. Joel is the author of the book written in 835 to 800. We're doing the Minor Prophets on Thursday night. We won't get to all of them. We went through the book of Haggai. Now we're going through the book of Joel. Joel's name means Jehovah is God. Everybody say that, Jehovah is God. You say, why was Joel written? Joel was written, believe it or not, because Israel had a good economy. They had a good economy. They were in a safe place and a safe time. But guess what happened? Because they had a good economy and they were in a safe place, they turned away from the Lord. I shared last week, great is the man or the woman who can handle the blessings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people want to win the lottery, but if you won the lottery, we would never see you again. You would have a beach ministry in Hawaii. I know that would happen. And so very, very important that we understand that Israel, because they were economically in good shape, because they were safe at that time, the Lord sent a prophet. How many of you know the Lord loves to send prophets? So he sends the prophet Joel. And guess what Joel does? He warns them. He says, guys, look, you're in a good time. There's some prosperity. There's some peace. But you've left the Lord. You better turn back to the Lord. How many of you know the Lord always warns before he sends his judgment? Not enough amens out there. How many of you know the Lord always warns before he sends his discipline and sends his judgment? I got news for the United States of America. He's been warning us for years. He's been warning us, so don't be surprised what's going to come down the path. You say, Pastor, do you want that? Nobody wants that, but guess what? The Holy Spirit's warning us. The prophets are speaking. The Word of God is speaking. We better turn to the Lord. I love our nation, but please get this. Just because our economy is doing well, that is not an indicator that the nation is doing spiritually well. Did everybody get that? Just because something's being good economically doesn't mean that spiritually it's good. That's what happened to Israel. Economically, they were doing good, so they thought they were in a good place. But guess what they did? They turned away from the Lord. Don't let the blessings of the Lord, don't let the goodness of the Lord, don't let the healing of the Lord, don't let the greatness of the Lord, don't let the blessings of the Lord take you away from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Great is the man or woman that can handle the blessings of the King of kings and Lord of lords. So Joel comes forth. And he shares and he warns the nation of Israel. He says, Israel, he says, you've got to get back to the Lord. You've got to get back to the Lord. So we read in verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. That's where we stopped last week. That's as far as we got. Here is the situation. The southern kingdom of Judah, that's who Joel is writing to, has just suffered a tremendous catastrophe with locusts. All their crops, their very livelihood, their only source of physical sustenance has just been totally devastated. The entire nation, the leaders and the citizens are standing and staring at their wasted fields. They feel there is no hope for survival. Children are hungry. No income is available. Their source of food is all gone. When the people and leaders are looking at this, Joel says in verse 2, tell your children about it. But has anything, in, in the end of verse 2, excuse me, has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? So here are the children of Israel and the leaders. They're looking at their land. It's wiped out because a plague and swarms of locusts had come upon their land. You say, Pastor, that's so harsh for the Lord or for that to happen. No, our God is not a harsh God. Our God is a wonderful God and a loving God and a kind God. And he kept warning and he kept warning and he kept warning and he kept warning warning and he kept warning and he kept warning and he kept warning and he kept but Israel said no we're going to do what we want to do it's the same today the Lord warns us and warns us and warns us as individuals get right with the Lord and follow the Lord and give to the Lord and fulfill the blessings of the Lord and go after him with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind turn to the Lord and repent of your sins and if we go our own way we get disciplined 
And then guess what happens? We get mad at God because he's mean. God, you're so harsh and you're so mean. The Lord says, I'm not harsh and mean at all. I gave you 10 years. I've given you 20 years. And tonight again, he's talking to this church. He's talking to every church. He's talking to our nation. Turn to the Lord. Repent of your sins. Get right with the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm preaching to myself, Bill. Get right with the Lord. Turn to the Lord. Follow the Lord. Make him first in your life. Go after Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Come on, anybody here tonight? I need more monitor, need more monitor, need more monitor. Go after Jesus. And so when all of a sudden Joel says, has anything like this happened in your days? Or even the days of your father? And of course the answer is obviously no. Now these locusts that came upon Israel, they were real locusts, but they were also symbolic of two things. The last day's armies that will be coming against Israel and the judgment of God that is coming to planet earth. But everything Judas, Judah is looking at, the nation of Israel is looking at, and everything that happened was for one reason, to get people to turn to Jesus. What is it going to take for every born-again believer to turn to Jesus? What is it going to take for every nation to turn to Jesus? I wish people would just automatically do it. But that's not what's going to happen. God's going to have to shake everything that needs to be shaken. He's going to shake you. He's going to shake me. He's going to shake the church. He's going to shake our nation. He's going to shake Europe. He's going to shake Africa. And why is he doing that? You think he enjoys that? No, he's trying to get our attention and say, turn to me. Turn to me. Go after me with all of your heart, with after your soul, with all of your mind. You see, there are two streams I taught you last week that are flowing in these last days. First of all, there's a river of revival. And there are a few people, there's a remnant that are in that river. And they are flowing in that river. What does that mean? They're excited and they're passionate and they're on fire for the King of kings and Lord of lords. But there's another stream flowing at the same time and it is a flow of lukewarmness. And if we're not careful, we can still be saved. We can still be born again and love the Lord and be in church weekly. But we're flowing in a lukewarm stream. And tonight the Lord is saying, get out of the lukewarm stream. Get out of the lukewarm stream. Hello, anybody here tonight? Get out of the lukewarm stream. That's still not everybody. Come on, get out of the lukewarm stream and get in the revival stream. Turn to somebody and say, get out of the lukewarm stream and get in the revival stream. Get in the revival stream. We had a tongues and an interpretation of tongues tonight. It goes right along with verse 5, but let's read it verse 4. What is the nine locusts? What have they left? The swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the young locust has eaten. And again, different translations will give different types of meanings to each one of these parts of locusts that have come. And what is the crawling locust? And what is the consuming or the stripping locust has eaten? Swarm after swarm of locusts came upon Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, and wiped them out. I mean, consumed everything. There was nothing left. And the people had their mouths open, and they looked at their livelihood gone. Everything was gone. But how many of you know, for those of us that are born again believers, we can lose everything possible, but there's one thing we can't lose. How many of you know we can't lose the King of kings and Lord of lords? Anybody got Jesus? Verse 5, did you get the tongues and interpretation of tongues? What was it about tonight? Did you hear it? Wake up. Look at verse 5. What's the first word? Awake. I preach to me. I don't preach to you. I preach to me. Bill Strayer, Awake. Bill Strayer, wake up. I love the word in the Hebrew. It means to abruptly startle someone who is sleeping. It doesn't mean that you tiptoe in the room and say, hey, Susie, wake up. 
It means you grab a hold of them by the shoulders. Wake up. Wake up. The time is short, Anita. The time is short, church. Jesus is on his way back. It's time to serve him. It's time to follow him. It's time to go after him. Wake up. Come on, wake somebody up next to you. Wake them up. Wake them up. Startle them. Startle them. Look what it says. Awake, you drunkards. Isn't that amazing? Awake, you drunkards. And weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. Why in the world would he put that? Well, the destruction and calamity of the locust is so bad that it even affects those who were drunkards, who are usually oblivious to everything. But the vineyards that grew the grapes, guess what? Gone. Couldn't drink liquor anymore because the grains you make liquor out of, gone. So even those here, awake you drunkards and begin to weep because there's no more alcohol to drink. And wail, all of you drinkers. Guess why? Because now there is a new wine that you can sip on. The Lord took everything away for one reason. He did not take things away to be mean. He did not take away all this to be nasty because, again, he is a good God. Guess what he said? Quit the alcohol. That's not the only thing. Quit the alcohol. Quit going after idols. Quit worshiping false gods. Get out of your lukewarm stream. Know that I mean business and turn to me with all of your heart because here's why. You think your alcohol was good, but you can't drink it anymore. I got some new wine for you that tastes better. You aren't going to have a hangover, and it will change your life. Anybody want to drink some new wine? New wine. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. You all know this verse, but it's a great verse. I don't even have to turn there. Be not drunk with wine, which is excess. Be not drunk with wine. Do not be drunk with wine. Why do I keep saying that over again? Be not drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, guess what? They looked at those disciples and they said, they must be drunk with wine. Peter stood up and said, I haven't had one drop of wine or alcohol hit my lips. And somebody lifted up their voice and said, these men aren't drunk as you think, Peter said. They have been filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you know we're living in a day when we need the new wine of Jesus? The new wine of Jesus. Awake, you drunkards, it says in Joel. Wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land. Who is that? It's the Assyrians. The Assyrians were one of the most nasty countries and nations that has ever lived in the history of mankind. They were mean. They were rotten. They hated the Jewish people. They hated the nation of Israel. The Assyrians and Israel had been enemies for years and years and years and years. Assyria wanted to do everything they could to cut off Israel and destroy Israel. It kind of sounds like today a little bit, doesn't it? They didn't care if they killed women they didn't care if they killed babies. They didn't care if they killed men. They didn't care how much they destroyed businesses and homes. Didn't matter whatever. It's like the devil coming against God's people. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. 
His teeth, talking about the Assyrians, his teeth are the teeth of a lion. That's talking about the front teeth of a lion, which is used to grab a hold of your prey and bite down on it and not let go. But he also has fangs or cheek teeth. What are those? Of a fierce lion. Those are the jaw teeth used for chewing and crushing. So the Assyrian army was going to come against the nation of Israel like a lion. The Assyrian army was going to grab a hold of Israel with the front teeth and not let go. And then it was going to use the back teeth to crush and devour the Jewish people. And there wasn't going to be any sadness at all that was going to take place. You say, Pastor, why would the Lord even allow that? Because the nation of Israel thought they were all that. And when you think you are all that and do your own thing, how many of you know God's going to do everything he can not to destroy you, but to get your attention to bring you back to Jesus? But I got great news for you. If we will fall on the rock first, the rock will not fall on us. Just watch the roadrunner and coyote. Coyote looks up. He's underneath the rock. The rock hits the ground, and then all you see is a hand come out. Bink! Bink! Crush. A pile of dirt. And guess what? That's what a lot of believers do. There's the rock that's going to fall on you. But guess what? The rock's not falling on me. The rock's not falling on my life. The rock's not falling on my family. The rock's not falling on my church, his church. The rock's not falling on me, because guess what I do every day? I fall on the rock. Come on, is anybody else going to fall on the rock? And don't let the rock fall on you. But guess what Israel said? Israel said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Now, I'm not going to go through every one of these verses, but I just want to read a few of them. And they're all about Assyria all the way through verses 14. Verse 7, he has laid waste my vine. That's Assyria. He has ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Look how bad it is. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted. The lands mourn for the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Wail, you vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered, the pomegranate tree and the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. How many of you know when the... Oh, the Lord just said amen. How many of you know that when, you, when the enemy comes in and tries to hurt us, how many of you know we can lose our joy in the battle? Gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. So consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. You see, he's trying to get them to turn to him. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land. Get into the house of the Lord your God. And what are the last thing we're supposed to do? Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Psalms and chapter 46. The nation, of Israel, the nation of Israel is going to be invaded by the Assyrians. The Assyrians want to destroy the nation of Israel. I should say Judah, the southern kingdom, to be proper scripturally. They had no regard for life. And the Lord says, if you don't turn to me, there's going to be an invasion. So all of a sudden, the prophet Joel is off the scene with his warning. And all of a sudden, a generation later, approximately 80 years, about 720 B.C., the Lord raises up a righteous king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great king and was a great man of God. 
Joel is off the scene, and now guess who the prophet is at that time? The prophet Isaiah comes on the scene. And Isaiah starts to prophesy the same thing that Joel did. It was kind of like a baton. Joel handed off to Isaiah, and Isaiah warns Israel, you better turn to the Lord. And here in Psalm chapter 46, we see that a new king comes on the path. A new king comes on the throne. Ahaz was Hezekiah's father. And Ahaz was evil and did not worship the Lord his God. And so we see Ahaz died and the Lord took him off the throne at 32 years old. But then Hezekiah takes the throne. Hezekiah was totally opposite of his father. Hezekiah was a righteous king. Hezekiah was a great king. He tore down the idols. He got the nation of Israel to worship the Lord your God. So guess what? The words of Joel did not go in vain. How many of you know sometimes when we pray and we seek the face of the Lord, sometimes our words, even for our children that we're trying to get on the wrong path, how many of you said, Mamma Mia, they just are never going to listen to any wisdom at all? But how many of you know, year after year, you look at them and all of a sudden you see a little progress and you see a little bit of change and pretty soon you look at them and says, is that really my son or daughter? I can't believe them. And all of a sudden they start to make the right decisions and the good decisions. They come to their senses. How many of you are glad you came to your senses finally? So guess what Israel did? Israel finally comes to their senses and they turn to the Lord their God. And as they turn to the Lord their God, are you ready for something simple? The Lord blesses Israel and gives them back their crops and gives them back their wine and gives them back their grain and gives them back the blessings. It all has to do with turning away from Him or turning toward Him. I want to see our nation turn toward the Lord. And whatever it takes, I say, Lord, whatever you have to do to our nation, do it, Lord, for one reason, to get our nation on its knees, to bring our nation back to you, to turn us to you, to follow you with all of our heart. Come on, is anybody here tonight? So Hezekiah, Hezekiah is the king when the Assyrians invade. And most people, it's not for sure, but most people believe that he wrote Psalm 46 to 48, which refers to the Assyrian invasion. And we see here that Hezekiah talks about what we need to do when the enemy, here the Assyrian army, comes against them. I want you to know this relates to us today because there is an enemy that we fight against. We don't fight against the Assyrians, but we fight against principalities and powers. And how many of you are glad for the word of God that when the enemy comes in against us, we have the word of God that we can stand on to push the enemy back? Can you say amen? So let's see what Hezekiah writes here as he sees the Assyrian army, this goes right along with Joel, coming toward the city of Jerusalem. He writes in verse 1, he says, God is our refuge and God is our strength. He is a very present help in times of trouble. There are four things Hezekiah writes here that we are to do when the enemy comes against us as the Assyrians were coming against Jerusalem. The first thing that we need to do, look what Hezekiah says. He says, run toward the Lord. He is a very present help in a time of trouble. I don't know about any of you, but many born-again believers, when you are fighting the enemy and the enemy is attacking you, which will happen? There is a reason for that. But when the enemy does attack you, do not run the opposite direction. Do not fold up your tent pegs. Do not quit fighting. You need to run to the Lord and toward the Lord because he is our refuge. You say, why in the world 
did the enemy attack Israel and attack Hezekiah? Here's why. Hezekiah destroyed all the idols. As soon as he got in as king, he destroyed every idol in Israel because they were worshiping false idols. What else did Hezekiah do? He mandated that there was only one God that could be worshiped in all of Israel. That would be like our president, whoever it is, getting on TV and says, I want you to understand, everybody is welcome in the United States of America, no matter what faith that you believe in, but I want you to know there is only one true and living God, and that's the God that we worship. That is it. That is it. That is it. And how many of you know that's true? That's true. Hezekiah did that. You say, well, people didn't like him. That's for sure, but guess what? The enemy didn't like him. He repaired the temple. He reformed the priesthood. He tore down all the high places where idols were worshipped. And guess what? The enemy, the Assyrians, stormed in against Jesus. I got news for all of you. When you go after the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, you are going to be attacked by principalities, by powers, and the devil himself. But guess what Hezekiah said? I'm not backing up. I'm not letting down. I'm not stopping. I'm not going back on anything I've done. Look what it says. God. God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's a very present help in a time of trouble. When the enemy is after you, God's people run toward the Lord. Now, I know a lot of you are saying that's so simple, but I meet Christians in this church and every church all the time. I haven't seen you in church. I've been going through a hard time. The enemy's really after me. So great, stay home. Watch TV. That's really going to lift you up and help you. Listen, Hezekiah is on the wall of Jerusalem. He sees the Assyrians coming. He sees the dust of their horses. He knows Israel is toast. But he writes Psalm 46 a strong leader, and he says, we're not backing up. We're not running away. We're not watching TV. We're not staying home. We're going to worship in the temple. We're going to tear down idols. We are going after the Lord. He is our refuge in a time of trouble. Do not run away from the Lord. What is that going to do? Run toward the Lord. He says God is our refuge. In the Hebrew, it means a place you can go quietly for protection when disaster is on its way. When it says it's a very present help in a time of trouble, I love the word trouble here. It means to be in a tight spot. When you are in a tight spot, run toward the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He will help you out of the tight spot. He will strengthen you. He will give you wisdom. He will protect you. He will bless you. He will encourage you. Pastor, our finances are tight right now. Continue to tithe. Continue to give. Continue to run toward the Lord. He'll help you out of that tight spot. How come everybody's not praising the Lord? Anybody ever been in a tight spot before? Run toward Jesus. Run toward Jesus. Number two, I just got four of these, verses two and three. When the enemy comes in, understand that the Lord does not change. Verses two and three. Therefore, look at this, we're not going to fear. I'm not fearing the Assyrians. 
I'm not fearing Goliath. I'm not fearing any enemy that comes against me, my ministry, my family, my kids, my finances, my health. You say, why? God is my fortress. God is my strength. He's a very present help in a time of trouble. I'm not going to fear no matter what the stock market does, no matter how corrupt the United States is. We will not fear even though the earth changes. I love the word remove there. In the Greek, it means to be changed. In the Hebrew, it means to be changed. Even though the earth changes. Even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. What was Hezekiah saying here? Listen, you got to get this, the background. He's watching the Assyrian army come toward him. Guess what he sees on the other side of the Assyrian army? He sees the entire landscape changed. There's burning, they're burning houses, all the crops, all the trees. They were mowing down everything. There was the locust army that came, and then the Assyrians came. And Hezekiah is a little bit trembling as he looks and sees how the terrain is different. The mountains aren't as big as they were. The valleys aren't like they used to be. The crops aren't like they used to be. Everything has changed. But Hezekiah says this, there is one person, though, who has not changed, no matter what is going on in my life, and that is the Lord. How many of you are glad he never changes one iota? The landscape changed as the Assyrian army devastated towns, crops, and people. Everything changed, but Jesus didn't change. And Hezekiah let everyone know as the enemy approached. And we need to know that today, that everything around us might change. Presidents might change. Decisions might change. Supreme Court decisions might change. But there is one person that we can rely on who is our refuge and who is our strength, no matter what problems, no matter what situation comes our way, and it's the Lord. And when the enemy comes in, he is faithful, he is true, he is there for you, he will answer our prayers, he will come through for us. Can you say amen? amen? Number three. Number three. The third one is this. When the enemy comes against us, remember that the Lord is with you. Psalm 46. I love what Hezekiah says here in verse 4. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle, the most high. But look what he says in verse 5. I can see him trembling on the walls of Jerusalem, looking at the Assyrians coming his way. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Talking about Jerusalem. God will help her, just as the break of dawn. The nations raised and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. But look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And he had to encourage himself because look at verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Assyrians were evil and wicked. They were like ISIS. But all of a sudden, Hezekiah, the king of Israel, on the top of Jerusalem, on the walls, looking out at the army coming. He turns to Israel. He pens a note that everybody can hear him, and he says, Israel, I want you to know something. It looks like we're going down. It looks like we're toast. The Assyrian army can destroy us just like that. We are outnumbered. They have more weapons, and there's only one thing I can tell everybody. The Lord is with us. How many of you are glad tonight that the Lord is with you? And since he is with us, guess what he does? He gives us great wisdom to know how to fight the enemy. 
Because every time the enemy comes against us, the Lord has to give us a different strategy to fight the enemy. Remember as Israel went into, into the promised land when they came to all the cities? If you'll read all those cities in the book of Joshua, there was a different strategy to come against each and every city. There wasn't the same strategy. So when the enemy comes against the Strayer household, guess what? I have to pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do to make sure that the enemy is conquered, that he can't take us down? And so Hezekiah says this, the Lord is with us. And he was saying, Lord, give us a little bit of wisdom how we can defend the city and how we can get through this attack. Make sure that we are prepared. we got to prepare ourselves, Lord, for the attack that is coming. God's people, you always have to be prepared for an enemy attack. You know what a lot of born-again believers do? They really get excited when the enemy comes against them, and all of a sudden they start to put on their armor, they start to pray, they start to come against every principality and power. Listen, you're not prepared. You've got to be proactive and not reactive. When the enemy comes in, that's not when you get strong. I'm strong every day. So no matter when the enemy comes in, he's not pounding on me. I'm pounding on him. Is anybody prepared? No, are you prepared, really? Or are you waiting for the enemy to come in against your kids? Are you waiting for the enemy to come against your health or your family or your finances? No, no, no. Guess what? I'm ready today. I don't want it to come, but I know an evil day is going to come. But I am prepared. So when the enemy knocks on my door and I know it's the enemy, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. I'm filled up. I'm ready to go. I'm prepared. I got the armor of God. I got the blood of Jesus. I got the word of God. You're not taking me down. No, 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 no. I am prepared. I am ready for battle. And Hezekiah said, Lord, we got to be prepared for battle. So what can we do? And all of a sudden, the Lord gave him some wisdom. Hey, Assyrians are going to come. You're going to have to have water in the city or you're going to die. How many of you know you can lack a little food, but you got to have a bunch of water? So there was, there was a, a spring of fresh water outside of the city of Jerusalem. And what he did was he built a conduit 600 yards in length. He had to go, man, I don't know how these guys did this with no, with no tools like we have today. He went down through the rocks. He went yards deep, and he built a conduit 600 yards, and he went into that spring so that Israel and Jerusalem would have good water for years and years and years, and he covered it up so that the Assyrians would come, and the Assyrians wouldn't have any water at all, and they would die because they were thirsty, and the Lord gave him wisdom, and the Lord was with him. So as they did that, we can see here that he pens these words. Look at verse 4. I had somebody read these words a, a couple days ago. They thought it was talking about the heaven. Heaven, But look what verse 4 says. Hezekiah says this, there is a river, and the Hebrew said, there is a constantly flowing river. Hezekiah was saying, there is a constantly flowing river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. What was he referring to? He was saying this, let the Assyrians come. The Lord is with us, and the Lord has given me a plan and given me a strategy that we will have water no matter how long they oppress us and come against us, and the whole city of Jerusalem will be glad because we are prepared and we are ready for battle when the enemy comes against our city. God's people again, you can be prepared for the enemy. You can have strategies against the enemy that he can't take down your family he can't take down your health he can't take down your finances he can't take down your church he can't take down your ministry turn to somebody and say be proactive and not reactive and the last one is this when the enemy comes in tap in to the supernatural verses 8 and 9 come Behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. 
He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Tap in to the supernatural power of God. God's people, the supernatural power of God is real. It is real. Some of you don't believe it. It is real. The problem is never God. The problem is people not having a receptive heart and believing that God can do anything. I believe God can heal any sickness that is here tonight. I believe that God can change any situation that is here tonight. The problem is never God. How many of you know the problem is us not believing? The children of Israel were ready to go across the Red Sea. They were surrounded. There were mountains on either side of them. The Egyptians were behind them. The Red Sea was in front of them, and there wasn't anything they could do. The whole crowd got mad. They were going to kill Moses. Moses, you brought us out of Egypt for us to be destroyed. We want to go back to Egypt. We have no food. We have no water. Moses said, quiet. He said that to six million Jews. Quiet. I have a staff, and I have a call from the Lord. And God is going to do something supernatural. Are you ready for something simple? All they had, because they were surrounded, all they had was the Lord. Hello, anybody here? Oh, guess what? All we have is the Lord. Moses raised up his staff. The waters parted. Three to six million Jews, no matter what commentary you read, different amount, they walked through the waters. They walked all the way through. The Egyptian army came in, and the waters closed down, and God gave a miracle to the Jewish people that they could go into the promised land. I believe in the supernatural power of God. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19. How many of you are glad that Hezekiah believed in the supernatural power of God? 2 Kings chapter 19, and I'll close with this. Anybody want to defeat the enemy? If you want to defeat the enemy, you have to tap into the supernatural power of God. Here in 2 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 32, verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, that's the city of Jerusalem, and an arrow will not be shot in that city. Isn't that amazing? Nor will they come before it with shield, nor will they build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same way he will return. And he will not come into the city of Jerusalem, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant's David's sake. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord, everybody say one angel, went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 of their army. 
And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, he was the general of the Assyrian army. So Sennacherib, the king and general of Assyria, departed and went away and returned home and remained at Nineveh. Now what came to pass as he was worshiping in the temple of Nisroch, his god, that his sons Adramelech and Sherez struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Ershadan, the son, raised, reigned in his place. Can you imagine Hezekiah? on the walls of the city of Jerusalem, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, the Lord is present. He is our refuge, and he is our fortress. Make sure that you run toward the enemy. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but the supernatural power of God has to move in this case, or otherwise we're going to be toast. There are hundreds of thousands of them. There are only thousands of us. We don't have enough food. Even with the strategy of water, we're going to run out of water sooner or later. I see them coming. The dust is up. I see the towns past them that they've destroyed, and they've killed all the cities. Twenty cities of Israel have been desolated. And all of a sudden, as Hezekiah prays, as they cry out to the Lord and seek the face of the Lord, God says, all I need is one angel. Angel, go down to that camp and destroy the enemy, the Assyrians. Can you get this? One angel killed 185,000 Assyrians and defeated them. God's people, when the enemy comes in against your home and against your family and against your finances and against your ministry and against your church and against your kids and against what God has called you to do, remember the supernatural power of the true and living God that is for you, that is on your side. Nothing is too difficult with the Lord. There isn't anything that God can't do come on everybody give the Lord praise tonight would you do that I love verse 8 in Psalm 46 come and behold the works of the Lord you say I'm in an impossible situation no you have a God where all things are possible tap into the supernatural there isn't anything that God can't do Pastor, our nation's going down. Yes, it's going down, but guess what? He's still a supernatural God. I'm still clinging to it. One angel, everybody say one angel. One angel took out 185,000 mean, nasty Assyrians. That's why I know Israel will never be taken down. Because no matter how many people come against Israel, how many weapons come against Israel, one angel, everybody say one angel is going to take them down. The supernatural power of the living God. Hezekiah says, Behold the works of the Lord. Stand fast, Israel. Behold the works of the Lord. Be still and know that I am your God. Watch me fight the battle. Don't you fight the enemy. Get out of the way, says the Lord. Get out of the way and let the Lord fight your battles. At the workplace, let him fight your battles with your bosses. At the workplace, let him fight your battles. At home, let him fight your battles with the neighborhood association. At the church, let him fight your battles with people you don't get along with. Let him fight your battles. Get out of the way. Let the Lord fight your battles. Come and behold the works of a great and mighty God. And God stormed in. And Hezekiah continued to rule and continued to reign in righteousness. And God blessed the nation of Israel as the enemy was wiped out and they turned to the Lord.